by KCRER. I'm Bobby Howe. And I'm Alex Gehring. Hey, Alex, what's going on? Uh, well, a ton. Uh, <laughs> Tell me. I need to know all it of is, the things. Well, it has been a busy time. So um, I'm in the middle of directing a production of Shrek Jr. the Musical. What? I think I probably talked about that a couple of episodes back. And uh, we open soon. Um, and so today, I this morning, I got up at 7.30 in the morning and I had to go to a Spring Hill Chamber event where my kids were uh, singing for the chamber as a preview. It was very fun and they did such a great job and I'm so proud of them. Um, this is a group of, um, I have 64 kids uh, that are in this production um, and it's just crazy. And I don't know why I do this to myself other than that, I absolutely love it. Uh, it really is super fun. And then I got to go to another chamber event and uh, and see our, our new representative, Sharice Davids, uh, speak to the Kansas City Chamber. Awesome. Um, and, and it was very interesting. And uh, I think that I, I'm hoping that we have a good, strong advocate for uh, homeowners and for the real estate profession uh, in Washington, D.C. and Sharice. That's so. so awesome. And so you're just running around like a chicken with your head cut off. That's right. And now I'm here and with you. And now you're here. Yay, you're here. <laughs> also, you have some other exciting news. Um, I believe you are one of the nominees for the uh, National Association's Realtor Magazine 30 Under 30. That's true. I don't know if we should talk about that or not because I haven't gotten anything yet. Okay. But it, the the nomination has, has occurred, so we'll see what happens. That's fabulous. <laughs> Just to be nominated is an honor. Isn't that what you're supposed to say? Sure. Right. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's and absolutely it is an honor. a total honor. Yes. That's awesome. So good. Thank you. What are you up to? Uh, I'm sleeping. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I recently completed the Walt Disney World Dopey Challenge, which was a four-day race. I ran a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a full marathon on back-to-back days. Oh, my gosh. And I did it, and I'm alive. That's really, that's that's what's important about all of this, is that I lived to tell the tale. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Well, and I think the hardest part was each day. Well, we went four days early, so we did amusement parks, um, Universal Studios for four days ahead of time. Then I did the races, and each day after we did the races, <laughs> we went into um, Disney World and the different parks, and we did that, more rides every day after. <laughs> <laughs> and every day you had to be up by you had to be on a bus by 3 a.m oh my gosh um, for a 5 30 start time and you were basically outside for about two and a half hours before the race just standing and dancing and whatever you did to keep your muscles warm and so i'm going to ask you a similar mm-hmm. question to what i ask myself almost every day why do you do this to yourself <laughs> it was a great <laughs> idea at the time now i did raise money for pediatric brain cancer Brilliant. so i tell myself that that's was doing something for someone else and yet i still questioned my sanity at about mile 21 I was like please can those last five miles come quick enough and they cannot um because by the last day it had really warmed up and we were 85 degrees by the time we crossed the finish line and so people were dehydrating and it was just getting um really ugly and nasty out on the course the first day it was 42 degrees when we started the race and so there had been this dramatic swing from 42 degrees freezing essentially to the 85 and we wow dehydrated so I can you know, that's nuts. Hey, but we do it because we love it, right? Good for you. That's and awesome. And we're doing it for someone else. You're doing it for the kids. Right. Along for yourself. And I was doing it for the kids along for myself. See? So this is why we get along, Alex. I like that's it. That's right. Uh-huh. I agree. Now, uh, I have to mention, too, that my voice isn't usually so... But I've actually been... I have been battling this crazy cough since, like, January 2nd. So the whole... All of 2019 mm-hmm. so far, practically... I've been battling a little bit of an illness. I'm not contagious. I'm pretty sure. I think this is just like a remnant of something. So, um, I'm, but. So, do you want me to tell you something that's maybe probably not the most 
uh, motivating thing I could possibly tell you at this point in time. That I have two weeks left? No, not that. You're not going to die. Okay. However, my son, also (laughs) Alex, has had a cough since Halloween that he cannot get rid of. So we're going on like 10 weeks now and we've been to the doctor multiple times and the cough just will not go away. So... Hey, you've only got eight more weeks to go. Stop. Stop. I don't know. Well, what are we talking about today? Uh, I know we have uh, uh, David Nichols is going to be in here with us later today. So, you know, Alex, you've served on the board with uh, David. Do you have any funny anecdotes about David or anything I don't really have any funny anecdotes about David. David's just always a really great guy, and and I think he's going to be a great president for uh, for our Heartland MLS. Um, and I really look forward to his leadership. Yeah, I um, do too. I know he's that he's pretty straightforward. There's not, I don't have any dirt on him or anything. Well, I, I know we ran into him yesterday at the board of directors meeting, um, KCRER board of directors meeting, and he was a little concerned that we were going to to grill him and be mean to him. So I'm kind of like looking forward to like. How what are we I getting do? this reputation, Bobby? Like, do, do do people leave here feeling like we just? We just go after them. We ask the yeah. hard questions. Yeah. No, no. So Steve Moyers, <laughs> I just ran into Steve when we had our meeting just here a few minutes ago, and he was just saying how warm and kind and comforting we are. So Steve at least likes us. Well, maybe he's just telling us that, and be. then he's telling David, "Hey, you better watch out for Bobby yeah, and watch Alex. Out for them. They're trouble. Yeah, they're yeah. going to ask the hard stuff. They are going to ask some hard stuff." So Bobby, mm-hmm. do we have a book bit for the day? We do actually have a book bit for today. However, it's not business or real estate related. I saw, oh, Just before you get started, I feel like we need some kind of a theme song for Bobby's book bit. Like there needs to be some <laughs> kind of a do 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 Bobby's book um, bit. Can it be the, the Reading Rainbow? Can we have the Reading Rainbow song? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you, I, have, I, I have, know what you're talking about. I forget I there are young the people song. in the room with me and they have no <laughs> idea. What, they, they also don't know what a ringtone is for a phone. It's fine. <laughs> They don't know, know what a ringing phone is. I know what a ringtone is. But have you? Do you know what a ringing actual uh, rotary phone sounds like? Do you have to? Do you know how to dial a rotary phone? Oh, I saw. Not, did you oh, see the YouTube video? I thought that I did, but then I saw these other people not getting it right, and I, I worried that I might not know how to dial a rotary phone. I actually think that I might not know. I've never done it before. You've never used a rotary Okay. Why? No. Why? I feel so old right now. I it's mean, okay. Just use buttons. Right. Buttons. No, it's <laughs> all the way around. What's you your book bit? Oh, okay. My book bit. <laughs> so I, as you guys know, I just talked about finishing doing the, the Dopey Challenge and doing the marathon. And when I was training for it back in August, um, while I was out on a run, I threw my back out of place. And my back was out of place for almost six weeks. And I went through a chiropractor um, and it was almost daily sessions. We eventually got my back back in place. And during the time it was out, my spine looked like a question mark. Like if I lifted up my shirt, you could see like everything was out of place and it was curved kind of like a C. It really looked disgusting and nasty. During that time, my birthday um, happened, and my husband got me a book called Healing Back Pain by Dr. John Sarno. And I rolled my eyes at him, and I was like, what an insulting gift. And the, <laughs> the idea behind the book is the mind-body connection is that body back pain, in particular body pain, um, it's all in your head. And you can you can get rid of it through your head. And I was like, this is stupid and this is really <laughs> dumb. Okay, so we left, um, getting ready to go on a race. We were uh, to go to the race to go to, to Orlando, and um, we were leaving on a Sunday. Well, that Friday beforehand, just two days ahead of time, I woke up and my back was completely out again. Mm. And I was like, 
oh my God, what am I going to do? I can barely walk. We're getting ready to go to Orlando to go to all these parks and I've got to run all these races. What am I going to do? So I asked in my mommy group, like, what, what are some quick ways to heal my bag really, really quickly? And someone posted that their mom had read this book, Healing Back Pain by Dr. Sarno. His, her mom read the book one time and she's never had back pain ever again. And I was like, that seems really hokey and stupid and dumb. And that's not something I'm a, I'm a believer in. I'm not in that spiritual healing or the, it's the pain. It's just all in your head. So we get on the plane and I decide to start reading the book. Mm-hmm. I read a third of the way through the book before we land. I stand up to get off the plane and my back is back in place. Like physically it's back in place. And I have not had a bit of pain since then. So I'm going to put it out there. The book bit is healing back pain. And the whole concept is, is that sometimes our bodies will create pain as a form of distraction from negative emotions that we're trying to avoid. Hmm. And it, there were a whole lot of things that I would just, I would be reading a uh, part of a page I'm like put to my husband I'm like oh my god that's me that's me exactly it talks about pain from migraines it talks about all these different things um, but there's this mind body connection um, between some of the pains and the things that we go through and it's our body's way of avoiding things that we don't necessarily want to deal with and I know it sounds crazy and I wouldn't have believed it had I not read the I, mean, I got on the plane I was limping I stand up to get off the plane and I'm fine and it was just the craziest thing. And I've been absolutely fine ever since. I ran all four days. I have not had any issues since then. So that's my book bit because I know a lot of people deal with a lot of pains, whether it's migraine or body pain. I deal with lumbar pain all the time. Yeah. So go read the book. Um, Interesting. I will. Um, and it, it just it delves into a lot of areas of your life that your body is maybe overcompensating because it doesn't want you to have to actually deal with that thing. So. Now, be honest. Mm-hmm. After reading it and after everything... You and know, I still haven't finished the book. You haven't finished, I still haven't finished it. it. I'm only a third of the way through. After everything was corrected, mm-hmm. did you tell your husband, like, oh my gosh, you were so right. This well, book actually worked. He saw me as I was reading the book and I go, and he's like, yeah, I told you to read it back then. <laughs> and I was like, well, by the time I got it, my back pain was fine. I thought I'd read it sometime later. And he's like, mm-hmm, if you just read it then, you wouldn't have had this now. And I was like, fine. So yes, I'm, I've been on the receiving end of the, you were right, I was wrong. But I was like, when I got it for a birthday present, I was like, it was just so insulting. Like, oh, my birthday present is a book about healing back pain with your mind. Okay, whatever. I love it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my book bit so all right let's now do we like exit the book bit with the theme song too we should yes on do, both do, ends. Do, 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 bobby's book bit there there it is i like it good job alex <laughs> <laughs> i can't sing no right one now was... i my my voice is gone i'm coughing all the time so it's just for now that's what it is well see i like that you said i can't sing right now i can't sing mm, ever <laughs> so there's that so we're good let's get david nichols in here yeah, let's bring on david Woo. Hey, Alex. Hey, Bobby. Do you know why I love KCRER as much as I do? Why? It's because we are just completely customer-oriented association. Did, did you see what just happened just a little bit ago? Mm, remind me. Okay, so so we were between sessions, and Kip Cooper comes walking by, and I'm like, hey, Kip, you got any cake? And he's like, hang on. And he comes back, and he brings me this amazing cupcake with a big gumball on top. Kip! I... Y- you're kind of in trouble with me right now. Right, because you didn't get a cupcake, but you didn't ask for a cupcake. Mm. I did. I should for cake. Ask cupcake. and you shall receive. Exactly. So, you know, we just have an amazing association that supports us in everything that we do. Well, if we want to keep that kind of uh, 
coming up. Right. I, I mean, I feel like we need to make sure that we show our association that we support them. Yes, just I, like they support us. One a little bit ago, the the professional development committee had asked about a podcast, and uh, and lo and behold, KCRAR has delivered. Um, and so, if you appreciate the podcast and and you feel like you're getting a lot of value out of it, please hit subscribe. Be sure to leave us a five star review if and you like us. If you like us, if you don't like us, don't do anything. Just don't listen. Then right, right. You can always choose not to listen. <laughs> And then we're going to need you to um, follow us on SoundCloud. That would be really awesome if you could do that. And then tell all your friends on your Facebook, your chaps of Snap, your installators, all of those. (laughs) I'm going to need you to go tell everybody all about listening to us and how amazing we are. But if you hate us, again, just pretend like this didn't even happen. (laughs) Right? Sounds great. Subscribe. Now. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. Just so that you guys know, um, Bobby had to run for a weather emergency, so it is me and David Nichols for it. David Nichols, welcome to Kansas City Real Talk. Thanks. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, wow. Like, what do you want to know? Sure. Well, so uh, how long have you been in the business? About 20 years. About 20 years. And how did you get started? Uh, Gosh, I, I bought a house. And it was a horrible experience. And uh, those people who know me won't be shocked by what I'm about to say. I don't like not knowing what's going on or feeling like I'm in control. I, I knew I had bought, I was going to buy more homes later on in my life. Sure. And so about a week later, I enrolled in real estate school, never intending to sell real estate. I just didn't like the feeling of not knowing what had happened. Uh, it wasn't a great experience. Uh, and then when I was in real estate school, I, I kept kind of thinking, you know, this sounds fun if you did it right. And so I ended up, when I got out of real estate school, going and talking to some brokers, and the rest is history. That's awesome. And now you are? Uh, I'm the MLS president uh, for 2019. Great. Yeah. Very good. And and you're also a broker, correct? Yeah, I'm a broker owner for a REMAX franchise. Uh, we have about 56 agents and uh, having a lot of fun. It's mm. It's been a great adventure. And, and, and something that people may not know about me is that my real estate career hasn't always been in Kansas City. Really, uh, the first ten years of my career were in the Washington D.C. suburbs. Uh, that's where I got my license and where I sold originally. Uh, my wife and I had been relocated out there for work, uh, and then, uh, in great timing, around 2007, we decided that we were going to come back, and I was going to start another real estate company in Kansas. Oh City. my gosh! Yeah, wow. I, I was quite the great timing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so we we started over again, um, and and have had uh, obviously some hard times there in the early days. Uh, when the housing market was crashing mm-hmm. around us and things were setting on the market six, eight, 12 months. Uh, but we, we worked our way through it, and now we're where we are today. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so tell me a little bit about why MLS is interesting to you and, and how you maybe how you ended up on the board to, to start with. Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I like to say that um, I'm kind of like an ex-smoker when it comes to board stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't always... Um, understanding of the work that we did and the importance of that work and I think like a lot of our members and subscribers I just saw us as well the only thing they give me is the MLS and they take a bunch of my money and that's all they give and that's all I get and I have to write the check and be a member of their organization so I can be part of their MLS um, and then some some really great folks kind of uh, corralled me at one point in my career and said you know this business has been great to you it's been great to your family 
and you owe it to give a little bit back to the industry. And so I, I my first, um, if you will, uh, thing that I even participated in, I, I got drugged to a, a capital conference in Jeff City, mm-hmm. and it was I had fun. I was like, wow, these are they're doing some important work here, right? This is kind of cool. And the next thing you know, I was on a government affairs committee, and the next thing you know, I was uh, being asked to to run for the board and served on the board. And then from there, I was uh, asked to be as part of exec committee of the KCRIR board. Um, and I, I was really struggling with, do I run for, uh, you know, president of the board? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't justify it in my mind because I didn't know enough about the MLS side. Hmm. And so at the time, I went to Diane and said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to run, um, but I'd love to, to get put on the MLS board. And, of course, Diane said, well, I can't guarantee you that because it's the board's decision, the KCRIR board's decision, who gets put there. And I said, well, if you could get me appointed to that, that would be great. And uh, so that next year, they, the KCRIR board uh, voted to put me on the MLS board. And that has been a lot of fun. It was a great adventure. And the more I was on that board and serving, the more I felt like, yeah, I could step into a leadership role there. Now, David, uh, before you before you keep going, um uh, maybe for our listeners, let's talk a little bit about the difference between KCRAR board and Heartland MLS board. Sure. And how do how do those two entities cooperate? Yeah. So KCRAR is a trade organization. Um, so uh, that is a, a group, uh, uh, something that our members join. They're 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 members of the KCRAR. Uh, so Kansas City Regional Association of Realtors. The the MLS is a for-profit entity that KCRIR owns, and so it is run more like a business um, instead of a trade organization. And it is uh, the, their directors, instead of being elected or appointed like any directors or board of directors for any for-profit corporation. Got it. Does that does It does. That yeah, that okay. does. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. And so it makes a lot of sense, too, that you would feel like, you wanted that experience on the MLS board before you would jump into executive and, leadership. On and the there's a lot of people side. who don't go that route. Um, some people do. And when you look around, there's plenty of people who have served on both as, as leaders of both. Um, and I just kind of felt like for, for me personally, that was the path that I wanted to try and take. It sounds like that's kind of your, your path in general. You wanted to get into real estate because you wanted to understand yeah. your, your, uh, your own investments. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense. That's great. Cool. You're a consistent guy, David. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'm I'm a planner <laughs> by nature. I'm I'm uh, an organizer by nature. Uh, so I think if you were to walk around the office and ask people, that's a word that they would use to describe me. So well, good, yeah. good. So uh, I know it hasn't been very long, but tell us about your time as president so far. I, gosh, I mean, it's it's funny. I was thinking about this this morning. You know, we're a month into my presidency, and we haven't really even had a meeting yet. Right, we had some committee work that we're working on. Uh, and then December, you really don't do much in December because that's holiday party season for us as an industry. So I, I really only have 10 months left to make my <laughs> mark, if you will. Uh, and so I was like, oh, wow, if you're going to accomplish anything, you've got to get to work. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, I think that's by design, though. I think that um, you, it's kind of like throwing the keys to the Porsche to a 16-year-old in some time. You know, you don't want them to wreck it, but you want them to drive it. And, and presidents of our association and the MLS, they're there to lead um, to kind of share their vision 
that works within our strategic plan. Mm-hmm. So we have we have a very set set of, of rules and guidelines that we have to lead from. So I'm there for, for basically 10 or 11 months to lead. I, I, I really enjoyed my year as the incoming president. I think that is a year of... Uh, kind of like drinking from a fire hydrant. I mean, there's just so much coming at sure. you. Sure. Well, especially uh, last year. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about last year. Okay. Um, I, I, we, um, I, I feel like we, and, and I, full disclosure, I sit on the MLS board as well. I feel like we did a lot. We did a lot last year. Uh, it was a busy year. It was. Right. It was. And uh, a lot of those things, I know that you and I both felt like they were they were all necessary, but uh, I think that you and I both also understand that there were some members that were asking, why are we doing all of these things? Right. So maybe maybe we could talk a little bit about that and, and sure. uh, a couple which, of those which changes. Which thing do we want to talk about first? Sure. Why don't we start with, uh, with uh, the number of days required for input or for status changes? Yeah, you know... It kind of, if you back up and you look at the history of our organization and the history of real estate and the history of MLSs and how technology has just impacted that so greatly, it, it was inevitable that we got to where we are. Um, you know, we, we used to be these amazing, what we call gatekeepers of information. Mm-hmm. And so if you were a consumer and you wanted to know what was for sale, you had to go meet with your local realtor Maybe you would look at the Sunday paper or a Homes and Land magazine uh, or see a for sale sign. But if you wanted to know really what was for sale, you had to go talk to a realtor. Uh, And with the technology revolution that's impacted our industry, that is no longer the case. The consumer knows within minutes when a new listing hits the market, uh, whether it be through Zillow or Realtor.com or any number of hundreds of sites that are out there that get that feed, the, the consumer has that information. And so what we were finding, uh, the biggest complaint was with, with the speed of which the consumer was getting that information, we had to adapt and, uh, our speed, if you will, in which we were reporting information so that the consumer wasn't thinking something was for sale and it not being for sale. And then we take that a step further because our end user is the MLS, is not the consumer. Our, our client is the realtor and the brokers. And what we were finding was that realtors would be out showing houses all day on Saturday only to find out that half the homes they showed on Saturday or Sunday went under contract on Friday. So frustrating. It really did happen all the time, especially yeah. during the spring of last year. It was, when, it was wild. When we were seeing homes sell sometimes within hours of hitting the marketplace, right? So a home would hit the market. Every realtor who had a client that was looking for a home in that area, in that price range, would be scampering out to go show the house. I mean, literally, we would go into homes and see 10, 15 agents showing right. it at the same time on the first day it was on the market. And so, you know, the the consumer had access to that information. We just weren't reporting it in a timely manner. And we needed to adopt a policy that said, you know, we, we have to make it so that we're reporting it faster. And technology makes that easier for us, right? It used to be you, ha- you didn't have as much of a mobile realtor mm-hmm. uh, as we have today. And an agent can literally, at the moment they sign a contract, hit it on their phone and change the status to under contract. We had to, There was a lot of education with that, though. And, and we were really aware, and, and you were there at the table when we had those conversations, some brokers have done that for their agents for years, and that is a hard change for those people to make. And then we've got a lot of bro- uh, agents out there that may not be the most tech-savvy. Now, we know that as an industry, we're really strong on tech, but there's plenty of agents that have been you know, in the business for 20, 30, 40 years. You know, I've got uh, three agents in my office right now that have been with us for 40 years. That's, that's absolutely wow. amazing, right? And 
and we as an office had been doing that for them so they just because they weren't really trained well enough yet on their mobile devices to do it so we had to we, we as an office had to back up and work to help our folks get better at doing that i think that that's worked itself out in the marketplace i think now. so too so i but, think so too we still get questions about it every now and then it ab- seems like but yeah yeah but but it was the right decision right um and i think that everybody Absolutely. at the table although you were there. You know, we debated this for a long time, yep. and, and what is the right decision to make? Although it was a hard decision to make, the MLS's job is to make the right decision regardless of how hard it is, right? I think it's really important to note that none of the decisions that the MLS makes is just one person thinking, oh, we need to do this, and it's just rubber stamped. No. That just in no way is how it works. All of these decisions were uh, discussed and, and debated for a good amount of time before, and sometimes over the course of several meetings before uh, we really put the policy in place. Right, and when we when we um, have what we feel like may be a controversial policy, we do a real good job of taking a deep breath and pausing and going out to the broker and real estate community and and getting feedback and getting and having some tough conversations and. Uh, you know, we again, we're not always going to make the decision that's right for X broker. We're going to make the decision that's right for the the majority of the real estate community in the Kansas City region, and that you know we have to take our hats off. I can't be a X Y Z realtor or broker uh, when I'm at that table. I, I represent the MLS and the I think what ten thousand something subscribers when I sit at that table. I do not represent my brokerage, my brand, my office at all. I have to represent all of us at that table. Sure. Well, I think that honestly, I think that that answer uh, encompasses probably all of the changes that we made last year. Yeah. I, I really, I really do feel that way. Yeah. I, I think that uh, just about everything that that we did was uh, out of a desire to improve our marketplace and and focus on the whole of the marketplace and not just how it might affect you know one broker but the entire real estate community. I think that's a really good way of putting it. And and, and to keep the marketplace from falling into chaos, which we well, felt... Well, that gets into kind of our next question. So what um, what is the role of MLS in a real estate marketplace? And we've talked about this a little bit in some previous episodes, but what does the what's the MLS's story? You know, a, another great question, and I love that you said, what's the MLS's story? I, I got a chance to go to the NAR Leadership Conference in Chicago this last year, and that was a big part of Elizabeth Mendenhall's message is, what, what's, what's the realtor story? And, and share your story and tell your story. Uh, and I've brought that back to my office and said, you know, what is our story? And I think it's important to ask ourselves what the MLS story is. So imagine, if you will, a moment where there is no MLS. And I know we've got some really smart, young, tech-aggressive agents out there who can who can think, oh, well, I can do that through Instagram. I can do that through Facebook. I could do that through my own website. Yes, you, you could put together a database. And I know that in some people's minds, that's what the MLS is, is a database. <clears throat> Well, let's just say that that is all it is. That's a hard thing to put together. Well, it's hard to, to And it's put only together. put together through a set of rules that makes it fall into place. Well, realtors are known to be kind of mavericks by nature. We don't really <laughs> like a lot of rules, right? It's true. Um, and so trying to get, you know, 10,000 members or 11,000 members or, or 6,000 people to agree to a set of rules is challenging. And then doing that in a way that is compliant with fair housing laws takes it and ramps that challenge up even more. 
Um, because a big part of what we do is, is make sure there's a quality in our market as far as fair housing is concerned. Which, by the way, if, if we wanted to go off on a tangent about fair housing and waivers, we could I could probably spend a half an hour there, but let's stick on this <laughs> one, right? Um, so, so we have this fair housing piece that is also so important to that conversation of just a database, right? So, and and then the next part is the real birth and spirit of the MLS, which is offers of cooperation and compensation. Mm. So you can imagine where there's no MLS, there's no code of ethics, there's no fair housing rules being enforced. It's just a website or a Facebook group, right? And every time I wanted to show a property, before I ever showed it, I had to contact the listing agent, negotiate a commission up front in advance, right? Get that in writing, right? Then and only then could I try to schedule a showing with my client through that property. The the speed of which it would, I mean, it would put the brakes on our incredibly <laughs> hot market, right? And And then you would have world where there would be, in my opinion, a lot of anti-competitive nature going on, where brokers A, B, and C didn't like broker D, and so they weren't going to let them in their little group or their little club simply to keep them out so they could freeze a broker and all their agents out of a marketplace. Uh, that's all very unhealthy uh, for mm-hmm. the market when, when the market is really designed to allow an agent to show them all the properties, their client, all the properties in the marketplace, to know about them in a timely and efficient way um, and so that the, the consumer gets the best service. What we do is incredibly unique. There's no other industry like it in the world, right? And, and it's very unique to really North America. Um, if, if you look at, I mean, ch- I challenge you, find me something else where two competitors collaborate on a transaction together and then go back to being competitors again. All for, have, I can't think of anything. All for the yeah. benefit of their clients, right? You, you have seller A here who wants to sell their house for the most money that they can sell it for in the quickest time frame and with the best terms and conditions. And you've got this army of other people who have lots and lots of buyers, and we play matchmaker all day long with our right. competitor. It's, it's kind of impressive. And, and if you go to someplace like England where we think, oh, yeah, we're a lot like the English – they don't, they don't do that, right? So if you could only, if you had a, a buyer, you would have to work with um, the, only the listings in your company or go out and try to negotiate with each other company individually so you could show their listings. That would be so difficult. And, and also, how could you ever adequately represent your buyer if you had to do that every time? I mean, well, it just seems it seems extremely difficult. Yeah, it wouldn't I, be a great consumer experience. It, it would. Well, and we hear that, right? We hear on a regular basis that the consumer wants this thing to be faster and more efficient anyway, right? Without the MLS, the brakes are all over it. Sure. Right? We're, we're working, I mean, through technology to try to streamline the time from showing to closing. And so if you, if you were to make it so that uh, the average realtor out there had to go and negotiate each company one-on-one in advance of every individual showing it would just be it'd be a mess it'd be very difficult (laughs) yeah i can only imagine so how does your role then as president how does that compare to other roles that you've had in the past let's see you you just you when when i started on the board you were treasurer right right so tell me a little bit about about your experience as treasurer and then vice president or president-elect and then 
the transition to president and how all of those roles play together. Let's back it up to my first year on the board, right? Um, as the MLS board. So my first year on the MLS board, I had, I had served for about five years on the KCRIR board, and I really thought that I knew what the MLS did. My first meeting in there, they spoke a different language. They were talking about amps and upstream and RPRs way before we were talking about those things as realtors. And so their job was to understand all this tech and decide which techs were the ones that needed to be brought into the Kansas City market, what we were going to throw our weight behind. It was like learning a new language at Mm. times. Um, And then after a couple of years of being on the board, I felt like my first year, I was again, I didn't understand what we were talking about. I was just in a learning environment trying to understand so I didn't sound stupid. And then by year two, I'd kind of found my feet underneath me. And and that's when I decided that I was going to go ahead and run for the treasurer's position. The, The treasurer's job is really to just kind of understand the finances of the organization and be able to report them to the members at the board meetings. And Tanya does an amazing job. Uh, we're, I, don't, I don't think that the average realtor in Kansas City knows how lucky we are to have the staff we have at our board. Absolutely. Uh, I completely agree with that. When you travel with these folks and you see how well respected they are on the national scene, you know, little old Kansas City here in the heartland, <laughs> we have some of the most talented, well-respected individuals in this industry. And it's, it's, kind, of a, it's, a, it's kind of cool to travel with them. But. So then I, I did my year as the, as the treasurer, and uh, then the year as the incoming president was a lot of fun. As the incoming president, you're kind of the voice of the executive committee. Mm -hmm. So when executive committee meets and goes through um, the agenda and their recommendations to the board, as the incoming president, you get to be that voice. You're, 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 you're there saying, hey, here's what we recommend, and, and in some ways trying to educate them and convince the rest of the board members that those recommendations are what is in everyone's best interest. And so that was a, a fun year. Lots of travel. Um, the, the board, uh, Kip, and, and the leadership team did a great job of educating me that year and getting me prepared for this uh, year. But as the president, you're really more there to kind of just oversee the meeting and make sure that everybody is given a voice. Um, I, I, it'll be hard for me because I'm a passionate person, but I, I more bite my tongue at that meeting and, and I'm more making sure that you have your voice and, and everybody at that table gets their voice. And so you're just kind of making sure that the meetings don't fall into chaos, that Robert's rules of orders <laughs> are followed properly and uh, that you keep the meeting moving along. So. Well, I, I know that we're all really confident that you're going to do a great job this year. <laughs> you want to mention anything uh, interesting that might be coming up this year? So, yeah, I mean, we obviously we have um, Matrix 360 that's going to be coming out here very shortly. We're excited about that, although that's not a new product. It is simply an upgrade to our existing products, and it's designed to work and integrate better with Realist, the new tax ID system that we're we're now part of and it'll be a few less clicks and just more seamless Uh, and I I genuinely think our subscribers will appreciate it when it's all said and done there's really no learning curve there this is going to be pretty easy for them Um, and so that's probably the the first change that the that the that our agents and brokers will see out there then we we do have something a little lofty that we're kind of looking at and, and exploring I think you're on that committee with us where we're taking a real deep hard look at the rental market in Kansas City 
and the role that the MLS should or should not be playing with regards to rentals. And part of the reason why you're kind of passionate about that is because of the fact that you did come from another market originally that did have a strong rental community. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So in other places in America, uh, and where I was, the D.C. suburbs in particular, but many of other markets, since not just a DC thing. Sure. Uh, the the rental world is is as integral part of the MLS and the real estate community as resale and new construction, and we just had, have never really tackled that here, and so we're exploring um, how do we get better data on rental? How do we get more rentals into the MLS? We we envision a, a, an opportunity where even apartments are listed in the MLS uh, for rent. So that we can be, you know, we claim we're the voice of real estate, but 20, 30% of all real estate is, is not owner-occupied, right? So if, if that is the case, you know, we're leaving an awful lot of that voice off the table. And we feel like we can bring stability uh, to that market the same as the MLS brings stability to the residential resale and new homes market. Uh, it's this a big project i mean we're not going to fix this thing overnight we're not going to change not be able to fix it this year but yeah, this, yeah this is most likely a multi-year project but as we are working with large corporations uh through the kcadc um that are relocating or thinking about relocating into our community we're talking about thousands of jobs i mean this massive economic impact one of the things they want information from from us is what is the rental community like here so you can imagine uh you know, the Sprint merger, there's folks going to be moving here with their other headquarters is in Washington State or Seattle. Seattle. Or Seattle. And, and you're from Seattle, and you're being told, hey, you, you get to come to Kansas City. Well, you may not know where you want to live in Kansas City. And buying a home is a very semi-permanent thing. It's typically mm-hmm. a five- to seven-year minimum commitment. So if you're an exec who doesn't even know if you're going to like it, we think they're going to love it here, by the way. Uh, we love our, they will. our city. Yeah, uh, but they they may miss all that rain that they <laughs> get, right, and decide, I got to go back. So a lot of folks in those type of situations want to rent something for a while, and we just have no healthy way to help them locate that. Um, when, when a client that is moving here is talking to a real estate agent, our response to them currently when they say what is there for rent we say google it go right to, go to craigslist, craigslist. Oh, which yeah. is terrifying right um <laughs> get scammed you yeah. know let's let's send let's send these prospective kansas city residents that are that are high net worth to to a site where they could possibly you know uh yeah get scammed yeah <laughs> why not yeah um or we send them to one of the the aggregators out there like zillow or trulia and so uh, i i just don't think that that's necessarily the healthiest way to go about it we've seen great examples of how it works in other communities and well, so if we do it that way we're immediately diminishing what a realtor does or what what people expect out of the real estate community and especially City. if they're moving here from a place that does it well that's right right so i i will put our real estate community up against any real estate community in the united states uh, i think kansas city realtors kansas city brokers are some of the best in the world you you see that on the national scale when we're out there and we hear about all the chaos in some of these marketplaces that honestly is a little scary um and then we come back home and we see our competitors treating each other with respect and dignity and cooperating together and working together for the best interest of their clients. It's it's impressive 
how Kansas Cityans treat each other. So we don't have the chance to show that to people who aren't ready to buy if they're relocating here. Um, we send them off to Craigslist, you know, that's and, right. and, and, and that's scary. That's or Facebook Marketplace or whatever. And there's just, there's no way to, to really help the, those those clients. We just send them off on their own. And help our members cultivate relationships. That are Absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, if you're, if you have been told that, you know, here's this executive that's moving here from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and that executive is out looking at houses and they just can't find something they love, right? They, they, they want to buy in Overland Park, but there's just nothing for them right now in Overland Park that fits their needs. You know, wouldn't it be amazing if we could say, well, let me show you some rental properties, get you in there for six or 12 months. Let's let the market shift a little bit and see what is out there later on. And, and to me, that's just another service that we ought to be able to provide for our clients. Now, I, I want to make real sure that when we have this conversation that we're not talking about managing properties in the in the traditional sense. We're talking about leasing. So being leasing agents, right, instead of full-time property managers. And, and that is a decision that each individual brokerage will have to make. So there will be some brokers who say, nope, I don't want you doing any leasing. Uh, just like today, there's plenty of brokers that say, no, you can't do full service property management. That'll be a business decision our brokers make. We won't we won't get involved in that decision. That'll be their decision to make. Sure. But we just think it is a service or a product that we ought to be able to offer. Absolutely. So. I, I can completely understand that. All right, David. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. It was a great conversation. I really think that people will get a lot of value out of this. So, cool. so thank you so much no, for your thanks time. Thanks for having me, Alex. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks. Thanks.